And hello. <clears throat> Welcome to a sort of uh, pre-show show. We are going to be live here on G220 Radio here in just a few minutes. Yeah, we're going to be live here. 20 radio. <clears throat> Doing something just a little different here. Waiting for uh my co-host Mike Miller to come in. Let's see here. But yes, we are going to be uh, <clears throat> starting this program. Let's see. And we are just, we are live, but pre-live, so to speak, here on G220 Radio. <clears throat> kind of threw me off just a little bit because I was... Uh, Trying to schedule it and uh, said I had to do that 15 minutes beforehand, so I didn't have it ready. Facebook's Facebook's weird like that. Yeah. So we are live on Facebook and on YouTube, but this is not the official start of the program. Uh, so we're here. We might as well get the introductions out of the way. So how you doing, Mike? Doing pretty good. Getting ready. <clears throat> Just bought a new book off of Lagos. Oh man, what'd you get? I bought, um, well, I got two new books. I got the free book, The Universal Story, from its commentary in Genesis 1 through 11. And then I bought the new treasury of scripture knowledge, as opposed to the treasure, treasury of scripture knowledge. It's just an updated, expanded. I have a paper copy back from the 90s, it's about this thick. Costs about 80 bucks right now if you wanted to buy the print copy. But I got it for like $8. Hmm. So go over to Lagos and pay $8 and you can have not only the TSK, but the NTSK. Oh, wow. And what that is, it's, just, it's a giant cross-reference resource where they go through like different words. I think they use the King James um, for the references. And then they have themes and contra or not contradictions, um, contrasts, and just kind of a whole bunch of just really great information. Yeah. Nice. Yes, if you are tuning in to G two twenty Radio here, um, we have already started the program kind of pre nine o'clock. Uh, we will officially get started at. Uh, in about a minute, but uh, <clears throat> this being a new platform that we're using, I didn't realize it would take me live as soon as I hit the go live uh, on the writing in all of the uh, information. I thought it would just say, yeah, you know, set it up and then I could hit the go live when it was time to go. But you learn as you go. That's what we're doing here on G220 Radio Radio. So anyways, uh, if you are watching before we get this show kicked off, let us know where you're watching from. You can comment on YouTube. You can comment on Facebook either way and let us know where you are watching so that we can see who you are. Uh, we love to hear from you. Love to have you joining us. We thank you for that. And so let us know where you are watching from. I'm watching from Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. All right, this is G220 Radio. We are live, and we want to thank you for tuning into the program tonight. Uh, the title of tonight's program is, uh, I don't even know what it is, to tell you the truth, because I... Um, I can't see it, so I don't even know. I know. I, we got to figure... We're still figuring out some things here, and um, let me see if I can I see can it see over here. I can see nothing. 
Something yeah. abide in him. Yeah, abide in him. All right, I think that's... God's that's children it. abide in him. Yeah, God's children abide in him. So anyways, this is G220 Radio. This is the... Um, Still getting used to this new platform. It's a little different. I mean, we've gotten so used to using Zoom in the past and then through Zoom going through OBS. And just when we kind of figured out some of those things, I know I, I personally, when I started figuring out how to do those things, got real comfortable with it, we decided to shake things up. And so now we're using Melon. Uh, if you're not familiar with Melon, it's, it's pretty new, I believe. It's probably been out for a little while, but it's pretty new for the most part. And uh, so we are using that now as we record our programs live. So Anita Clements is watching from Titusville, Florida. So thank you for uh, tuning into the program and watching with us here live tonight on G220 Radio. Um, we, we've got a good series for you. We've been going through going through the book of First John. Now we've gone through Second John, Third John already, and some of First John. We're going to end the chapter two here tonight, there's two verses in chapter two, which kind of goes into chapter three. I mean, obviously, uh, chapter and verses were not inspired when they put these things together. They didn't come in the original inspired scripture. They were added later, and they're very helpful. Obviously, Mike, wouldn't you say uh, having the, the scripture references there, the verses and the chapters, it helps us to find things in the scripture. But it doesn't always break where it probably should have broke. <laughs> yeah, that's there's an old joke that says when the person figuring out the chapter and verses was riding on a horseback when he was riding it, because then this explains all the weird um, breaks in it. And also the titles, the section titles aren't inspired either. Those are editorial notes. So... Mm-hmm. You know, which is why you kind of can even get there. And I think to understand that these are letters, so they're not quite as rigid as we want to break them down. A verse can kind of be a transition from one verse to the next. And so we have to kind of realize kind of how letters work, um, even when we consider even verses and chapters. Yeah. And they are very helpful. Like I said, it's, <clears throat> it's extremely helpful to know where you want to find something, you know, in the scripture. I mean, John three sixteen is very familiar for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, a lot of times you may know that scripture, but then say, what book was that in? Well, we know because people say John three sixteen. they, they write it on, um, some, when they go to sporting events uh you know tim tebow was famous uh years ago for writing it on his um i don't know even what you call that stuff under your eye when they put the the eye black when they play football and so he would write it on there you know um so people know uh what that is a reference to and it it does help help us as we are um, seeking to find things in scriptures Cross-references are very helpful in your Bible. If you're looking for something that that goes with a scripture verse that you're using, you can look at those cross-references. It gives you that address, then you can go and find it. So they are absolutely helpful uh, to have. Uh, but again, as, as we were talking about, sometimes they don't break it exactly where the author would have broke the uh, or started a new structure or, or, or new like moving into something else. So... We're going to get into this tonight here, though. We, we ended uh, on chapter 2, verse 27. And so we're going to uh, pick up in 28, 29, going into chapter 3. So I'm going to go ahead and start this out here. You know what I think I'm just going to do is... Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and read from 28 to verse 10. And then we'll kind of come back and, and go through that. As you can tell, we're a very well-planned out, well-oiled machine here. <laughs> yeah, tonight, today's been a very long day, but I think as we get going here, um, we will we will pick it up. I get, I get very easily thrown off, and it threw me off because I thought I had time after I hit the go live to set the go live again. I thought I was just setting it up, and then it didn't, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not ready. 
<laughs> but here we go. All right, so 1 John chapter 2, verses 28, going through chapter 3, verse 10. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. <clears throat> so, yeah. The... All right. So this is a very, uh, a very interesting passage. This is a passage that we've seen used often by sinless perfectionists, Pelagians, those who would, would seek to speak of a, a Christian perfectionism or a sinless perfectionism. You know, I know Wesley had this Christian perfectionism kind of view, uh, maybe a little different than the Pelagians with their, their sinless perfection doctrines. However, it's still this, this kind of perfectionism that is there. And I think as we dig into this and we start to see, there is some truth. We would never say, don't practice righteousness. Don't seek to be holy. Don't seek to be obedient to the Lord. And I think those are there, and you have to rightly kind of work yourself through this passage to rightly understand it. And uh, I think that's what we're going to attempt to do here tonight. Mike, any any thoughts on that as we get ready to jump into it? Yeah, when we look at to look at this passage and think about what John is doing here, kind of in light of what we've already talked about. So he's already mentioned abide and kind of this idea of us and him, you know, very early on in his chapter, obviously he makes a big deal about this and the gospel of John, if we wanted us to consider this idea of abiding or remaining in it, in him. Again, I, this idea of fellowship keeps, kind of when I think about it is what keeps coming up. And I mean, we see it in chapter two, verse six, whoever says he abides in him, that's Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so we see this idea of abiding probably better translated. I think the net has it as um, remaining is probably a better modern English understanding of the word. Um, and this gets into some other, again, like as you're saying, kind of the the holiness doctrine and even the second blessing idea. But even if we just take what was taught in our last podcast episode about the idea of this being the last hour and the Antichrist are coming, what's kind of the differentiating factor? If you've heard what's abide in you, from the beginning, so kind of verse 24 out of order, 
then you do well to abide in the son and in the father. And so we now move into this idea. Now little children abide in him. And this kind of continuing aspect, he kind of gives um, here an imperative for them to abide, to remain. And so we see the command, you know, abide in him. And really what kind of develops from this is that you stay away from the Antichrist and their theology because there's a sense in which they don't abide and therefore they don't obey. They're not part of the fellowship. They're not part. They don't have this fellowship with God. So they act a certain way. So we move from, we see the importance of theology, correct doctrine leads to correct living. How we know God affects how we act in the world. Again, those who deny, deny the God, they act a certain way. That's why Nietzsche can say, you know, God's dead in one sense. And and if he's dead, we can live how we want to. And that's why theology is important. And everyone has a theology. Even the word atheism, as much as they don't say it, I know we've mentioned it, is a theology. It's a, it's a theology without God, a theism. And so, again, we're looking, kind of seeing... And and kind of digging deep into our souls is, do I have this right fellowship with God or I'm more like the antichrists who have wrong doctrine and therefore practice wrongly? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a huge point to hit on there is everybody has a type of theology um, because theology being the study of God, getting to know and understand God, the study of his word, right? And even the unbelievers, because how often do we hear this? You need to have a relationship with God, you know, a relationship with Christ. Well, everybody has a relationship with Christ. It's either a relationship of uh, being in Christ, abiding in him uh, as, a, a, as a child of God, or it's in a relationship of enmity at war with. You're still in a relationship with God. It's just a broken relationship that that needs to be repaired, fixed, if you're one of the elect, or you're going to stay in that state, and you're, we're going to see here that you're, you're not a child of God in that sense, and you're going to come, when his appearing comes, this judgment that's coming, you're going to stand before him condemned and guilty and ashamed, not as the one who is in Christ will stand before him unashamed. Right. And so um, that is vitally important for us to understand and grasp this. I was just thinking about this today, Mike, because you was talking about theology. I was thinking, man, it's it, it really baffles my mind because I, I really I don't get it. I mean, I really don't get it. I understand the sovereignty of God. I understand, you know, being reformed and I understand God opens the eyes of people. But sometimes I don't get it within the church. I don't get it within brothers and sisters that claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ where they'd say, like, we don't need theology. Like, I don't need to really dig in and study theology or discuss theology. Uh-huh. <clears throat> or all you really need to know is that God loves you, that, that, that Jesus loves you, and that I love Jesus. Well, what Jesus and what God is it that you're speaking of? Why is it so hard to discuss theology or to have this idea or understanding that I'm a Christian, I abide in Christ, which means I'm abiding in the truth. Why do I not want to seek out the truth? And I think as we dig into this passage, some of that is revealed why you're you're not living in righteousness. You're not abiding in him. When I hear the abide in Christ, it takes me back to what John wrote in the gospel Uh in chapter 15 of the gospel of John. And it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me, that, or that does in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Then it says in verse four, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself 
unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, that's so vitally important for us in the life of Christ to realize, apart from him, we can't do anything. But if we are abiding in him, there's going to be fruit. And I think as we get into this and we start to see, well, are you practicing righteousness? Are you living this lifestyle of sinning? You know, because if you're living this practicing lifestyle of sin, you're not abiding in him. You're not practicing righteousness. You're not abiding in him. Well, what does that mean in the flip side? Uh, does that mean that you have to have this sinless perfectionism? Does that mean that it's your works? That is all important for us to dig in and have a proper understanding of theology here. Otherwise, we end up in one of these places where we're working for our righteousness and, and this sinless perfection kind of thinking, or we just live in this ability to, or this uh, uh, state of mind where we think I can be in Christ and God is gracious and loving and he's going to accept me as I am and I, so I can continue to live in sin and he's still good with me because God is love. Yeah. And so even take your example when we start talking about just even the grace of God, when you start talking about God, you're talking in theology. To say the claim God is gracious is a theological claim. And, you know, it's maybe hard to understand why, and I think with you, from an experiential aspect, why someone would go that way. But really... When you think about it, there is this kind of denial or um, I don't want to say denial. That's too harsh. But this subtle dis disbelief in the word of God. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and just how bad preaching makes bad Bible readers and sermons just to bring an obvious um example although many sermons can fall in this when you see mega churches do kind of these um learn the gospel and you know the top 40 and they pick some hot songs and and teach on these songs and how they show what we would probably call general revelation um of just who we are as people and having, you know, kind of these these stories. But one thing that does is, first off, it doesn't help the people to learn how to read their Bibles, which is, I think, probably some of the most important aspects of listening to good sermons, to just to learn how to read your bi Bible better through this long haul with your preacher. But another thing it does when you have these type of sermon series is it erodes this idea of the Bible's important in my life. And that's the tragic aspect because then they're not reading your word. Cause even when we get to verse 28 command abide in him, he grounds it or um, he continues that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shirk, shriek back from him in the shame of his coming. If you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practiced righteousness has been born of him. Well, what does it mean to practice righteousness? What is righteousness? How does God define righteousness? And when we have this subtle disbelief of the Bible, we don't understand what righteousness is, not true righteousness. We may look at someone like Bill Gates, who gives a lot of his money away in charity. He's, you know, albeit maybe for tax breaks, but trying to uphold this image of charity as a good person. But is he really a good person in the end? Well, why is he doing it? I mean, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. And if he's doing it for prideful reasons, well, then he's acting in disobedience to God. He's actually not a good person. And we're not even get to total depravity in the fact that all men in Adam are dead and and their sins and trespasses. And so when we get here, even in John, to think about 
what does it mean to have confidence when Christ comes? This is, you know, dealing here in, um, I always want to say college. I can't even pronounce, can't even say big words now. An eschatology. We're getting into the eschatology of hope. We know he's coming back. John is telling us he's coming back. And what are we to do? We're to abide in him so we have confidence. And the abiding is because we are righteous. And he'll explain what where our righteousness comes from in the passage. But I think this is why theology is important. Because even to understand John and to not shriek away when Christ comes is to have one who knows the word and can say, yes, I'm a sinner, but I trust in this one who has come and I have confidence. And that's what's not going to make me back away because I know who I, I know whom I believed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is so vital. I mean, as we're on verse 28 here and you're talking about this little children, this dear, this, this term of endearment, John is, as you've seen when the last time when we had the show, Mike did this ending at verse uh, 27, he's going through talking to fathers and their children and, 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 and what, and he comes back to the body as a whole. And he's saying, you know, little, now little children abide in me. He says, cause when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his, his second coming. So when, when he returns again, he's coming in judgment and those who are wicked, those who are unrighteous, those who have rejected Christ, they're going to stand before him in shame, right? For the believer, we have confidence. Those that are abiding in Christ. Not sure what happened there. I just seen that jump off the screen. So that threw me off. Like... <laughs> It threw me and Mike off the screen, so I was kind of confused here. Sorry about that. But we have confidence in Christ because we're in him. So when we're standing before God, we are we are trusting in him. See, we have boldness. We have freedom now before the throne of grace, okay? We already have that here uh, as Christians. But when this throne comes of judgment, when Christ comes in his judgment, we won't be standing before him condemned. We won't be standing before him without confidence. We won't be standing before him ashamed because we're not ashamed of Christ. And ultimately, he's not ashamed of us, those who belong to him. But if you're on the other side of that, I mean, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. We don't want you to be in that situation. This is why we have this program. This is why we go and share the gospel with people in conversation, because we want you to know Christ so that you can abide in him, so that you will have the confidence when he comes again to not be standing before him ashamed. Yeah, I think it's important when you even consider, you know, going to Paul. Um, that, you know, we have been justified by faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you build up this confidence because we're at peace with God. As you mentioned, we we have some sort of relationship. Either we're the enemy or we have been befriended by God. And being that we know that God is righteous, because the Bible says you calls God righteous. And we see in Isaiah 6, 3, that the seraphim say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so we see his righteousness, which then moves us to say, well, those who practice righteousness, and John's making this claim, have been born of him. They have been born from above, John 3. And just thinking about the transformation from death to life. And that only those who have the righteousness of Christ can stand before and then john builds on that here in chapter in the beginning of chapter three when he talks about 
we've been born of him. So he goes like, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we are to be called children of God. And so we are. So those who practice righteousness have been born of him. And John, and then tells us, look at this great love that being born of him, we're now children of him. And, and now you see this, this move of, well, kind of repeating chapter two, verse six, that if we're of him, we should be acting like him. We should be like our father and the one whom he gave us as a physical example, his son and the second member of the Trinity. And to think about it um, in that way, I mean, Again, you mentioned John three sixteen kind of as as an example of the importance of references, but how important is that verse? It's not just, you know, it's not like they just pick some random verse out of, you know, like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven or something like that. They they pick John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the importance of that verse, that we're being born of him. We have eternal life. We're children of God. Like these are just terms that should make us want to know God even better as a triune one, just as children desire to know their physical parents, their biological parents. We should have the same draw here to know who God is and to learn from him because it's again those who practice righteousness that have confidence to stand when christ comes to judge the the world and to recreate it new life yeah and to make clear because again there is error that is out there there is the sinless perfectionist those who would say well see it's you have to practice righteousness to be born a child of god So it's your righteousness that makes you a child of God. But this is the same author, again, who wrote the Gospel of John. And if you go back to the first chapter of the Gospel of John, he says it's not of your own, your bloodline or of your works or of your own will that you're born of God. This comes from God himself, right? It is God who is doing the work in the individual. Now, that doesn't discredit or, or discount, I should say, the responsibility that we have as believers to practice righteousness, to seek to uh, participate in our sanctification process. I mean, how are you going to grow in the knowledge and understanding of God if you're not studying his word, if you're not getting together with the means of grace that God has provided in the local church? If you're not going and sitting under the preaching of of God's word, if you're not going to the Bible study where the, the pastor or the teachers are trying to help you grow, how are you how are you going to be able to grow in righteousness? How are you going to grow in your sanctification process? You know, there's there's a, there's a responsibility that we have even though it is Christ who is working in us and through us, we still have a responsibility to not just sit back and say, yeah, God's going to do all the work. He is going to do the work in a, in a true believer and a true believer is going to seek to understand, seek to grow, seek to practice righteousness. They're not just going to sit back and say God's going to, I mean, we're not hyper Calvinist here, right? Where God's going to do it all. We don't need to do anything. Yeah. And we have to balance here this idea with what John started this letter with. You know, he ends how we've figured out, but verse 10, chapter one, you know, he, verse nine and 10, you know, we, um, let me pull it up because I, just can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, if we say, so verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I know they, they try to, you know, play with that. But when we look at it, the idea is that we do sin 
but it's not a lifestyle sin. And that's what we have to remember when we look at John. He's not saying you can't sin. John fully believes that we can still be able to sin. And I think as a whole well, body of, of literature, the New Testament tells us that we'll still sin. But it's what our attitude to sin is. Yeah. I think that's what John is, is dresses early. So when we get to this part, we have this idea. Well, one who practices righteousness is one who follows what Christ does, but also acknowledging that he is a sinner. Yeah. And and for clarification, because we want to make this point clear, because we don't, I mean, Pelagians are going to hear us. They're, we're Calvinists. They're not going to want to hear what we say anyways, right? But the reality is what we're saying here is not that John's saying, hey, as a Christian, because Mike said, you know, John says you can sin. Not, now, that's not, as Mike was clearing that up, and I think he did, but just to make sure you don't come away thinking that we're saying, oh, as a Christian, yeah, you can sin. No, we're not saying go and sin and, and enjoy and in and, and sin because John even makes this clear as we continue in this book is what Mike was saying. When you get to the, the last part of this here in, in chapter three and even throughout this, he makes it clear. And I think the ESV translates this well. I don't, I don't know what the NASB says or, or some of these other translations, but it's, it says a lifestyle or practicing sin. So this is, this is a, 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 something that you are doing as an everyday practice. Not that, hey, you know what? I was too short with my wife today. I sinned against my wife. Ultimately, I sinned against God in the way that I responded to her or a coworker. It's not that that we won't sin at times and, and lose the battle with the flesh that still remains in us. It's that we, It's not this lifestyle where we are continuing a lifestyle of homosexuality and saying, well, I'm a Christian. But I'm a gay. I'm a gay Christian, right? Yeah. Um, they even write and writing books on that stuff now that you can be a gay Christian, somebody who's has this practicing lifestyle of sin, and identifying yourself with that sin, um, and still saying you're a Christian. That's what John is speaking against. You're not going to have this lifestyle. If I was an adulterer and I'm cheating on my wife, and I just continue to do that, and say, well, yeah, I'm an adultering Christian. You know, I just continuously cheat on my wife, but I'm a Christian. No, what John's saying is, no, you're not practicing righteousness. You are actually a child of the devil, not of God. But if you're short with your wife, if you discipline your kids the wrong way, it's out of anger, you're doing that. Um, there, There is sin that will happen in our lives. That's why, as Mike, you said, John clears this up from the beginning in chapter one and says, look, if you sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. You bring that before him, he'll cleanse you of that unrighteousness. Yeah, and really, I mean, that's what verse 4 to chapter, or verse 4, the chap, verse 10 really teases out um, with it, um, kind of that idea. And again, to, to think about it, and maybe just go ahead, although there's really good stuff in verses 2 and 3, but I mean... Let's just think about the Old Testament law and all of the sacrifices that were there. There was a sacrifice that you could do when you found out that you had sin. Like, and, you know, whether a small sin, it wasn't a sin that you intentionally did, too. It was a, a sin of omission. If something you did, you later found out you sinned. There was a sacrifice for that. And this is what John grows up in. He understands this idea that there are times that we unintentionally sin. And so when we think about that as contrast to what John is saying, when everyone who practices, who makes a practice of sinning, well, that would be one who would go out and do it. They they were intentional with their sin. And not just, you know, I'm going to do this one thing. But that's how their life is. It was a lifestyle sin. I mean, this is what Paul says in um, walking in the course of the, of the prince of the power of the air. 
or going after the flesh as the sons of disobedience. This idea that we go out and what Proverbs 1 says don't do, we are doing. We're walking in the way of the wicked. We're sitting at the seat of sinners and we're standing we're standing in the congregation of sinners. We're seating the seat of scoffers that we're doing that. We're opposing God in it. That's the difference because practice of sinning is practicing lawlessness because sin is the breaking, the want of conformity and transgression of the God of laws. The Baptist um, catechism defines it and kind of capturing both the love commands in which you don't, fulfill them or transgressing the laws of don't do. So honoring your mother and father would be the want of conformity or lack of conformity. And then, you know, do not murder. There's the transgression. So if you murdered, you've transgressed. If you don't honor your mother and father, you have that lack. And that's what we need to see. Are we living a life that is contrary to the righteousness of God. That's what John is talking about. And he grounds that in that Christ came to take away our sin and, and him himself has no sin. He was perfect. So now you have this disunity and fellowship and kind of in verse six, no one abides in him, keeps on sinning. Well, what, well, why would they? Because Christ has no sin. He is the light. He's in the light. There is no darkness in him. And so even in this verse, John is clarifying what he means of those who practice righteousness. And what does it mean to just be someone who is subjected to the sinful nature and not completely cleanse of all of it, waiting to be like Christ as we shall be like him, Versus those who continually rebel against the law of God and they have no change of heart towards him. Yeah. And that's why I said I, I personally read from the ESV the majority of time. Uh, I, I have a KJV in front of me as well as the ESV. And I think sometimes as beautiful and poetic as the KJV is, this is some of the reason why some of these men who hold to this sinless perfectionism fall into it because they read the KJV where it says in verse eight, he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning for thus, uh, for this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Right now, even when you read the, the KJV, I think you still, if you're rightly trying to understand, can get this concept that because he lays it out here, this practicing lifestyle of sin, this continuing in this, this, this lifestyle of sin. Um, as it says in the ESV where it says uh, verse uh, five, no six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen, uh, let me see, I lost my place here. Has either seen him nor known him little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, verse 8, is of the devil. And that's why I like the way the ESV kind of lays it out there. There's this, and, and um, I guess if you look in the, the, the Greek, it's this continual verb of this doing this over and over, not this one time you sin, you're of the devil. Yeah, sin is, 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 is sin against God, and you, you must confess that as a believer. But this is, again, that ongoing lifestyle of it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And just to, you know, to, to look at that and, and really, I mean, this isn't much different than what Jesus is saying when he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He's just given us here. John has given us kind of fleshing that out and connecting it in our relationship with Christ and our fellowship with the triune God. Because Christ came 
to take away our sins. I mean, in the church calendar, we're still in the Easter season. We had Easter now a couple weeks ago. And, and what's important about Easter? Well, Christ rose from the dead. He defeated the final, um, the final enemy of God, death, and raised for our justification. And so when we think about just even our righteousness, it doesn't come because we ourselves are righteous. It comes, as we've seen, from the Father. And that's why even in verse 7, he says, little children, Let no one deceive you. Whoever practiced righteousness is righteousness as he is righteous. Our act of righteousness as we strive, knowing that it is the Lord who saves us, we work out our salvation. It's the Lord who does it. And that we should be striving. Even Paul in back in Romans, you know, talking about, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he's like, no, don't. So we're called, and as Paul would say in Ephesians, to be holy before God. So we shouldn't be deceived that thinking if we continue to live in a lifestyle of sin, if we forget what saved us in the gospel message and continue to do what is wrong, we don't have him. We can't have him because he is righteous. And if he is righteous and we're called to the same, it means when we fail to obey what God has told us to do, we fail to understand him not only as the gracious father, but the judge who will judge us through his son, who he's given all authority to. Again, we should stop and think about, is my life a reflection of God's work? Am I living a life worthy of the gospel? Am I, if I claim to be in Jesus, am I walking the way Jesus walk? And these are very sobering words. If you're not a Christian or you're not, you claim to be a Christian and you're walking apart from this. Because in the end, he'll say, um, I never knew you. Depart from me. And those are serious things. But those who have been truly regenerated, we now have confidence to stand before when he comes and we get to see him and be like him as he is now. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the be like him as he is now, that does not mean we become deity. Maybe you want to touch on that because I know there's some people that have this idea, Mormons, you know, that we're going to be become gods, you know, not everybody, but those who keep to their, their standards and do all the, the requirements can become a God themselves. Yeah. I mean, all it is, is that we're changed to be like Christ is. My wife and I are talking about this. Um, she went to the gospel coalitions, women's conference, and she was talking with another church member and CS Lewis brings this out in, um, a couple different books. Um, the last book in the Narnia series is, is played in this. Um, and I can't think of the other one, but this idea, not that CS, this is not a car blanc recommendation of CS Lewis, but I think he is revealing something here and what we see. And I'll tie it into the, to scriptures. When, John is saying this will be like him and we shall see him as he is. We should understand this to be Christ's glorified state. Mm -hmm. And in one sense, when Christ as a glorified state is in, is more real than what we're in now. And how this, how we see this is trying to figure out, how does Christ 
go through walls or windows that are shut, doors that are closed, and appear before the disciples. Because he still has a resurrected body. Like he has a physical body. But he just appears. And what throughout kind of church history, you have this, it's very, it, it's a Christianized version of the Platonic idea um, that the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. Now in Plato, the physical realm is evil. The spiritual realm is good. Christians have said, well, no, that's not right. God made the earth. It is good. The physical realm is good. We're not um, Gnostics in that way, but that Jesus is more real. And this is kind of hard to fathom, but it's trying to explain that. And that when we see him, we become more real, mainly we don't have sin and we don't have the corruption of sin on ours on us anymore. And theologians have tried to think about this kind of fully. It's probably deeper than what you wanted me to go. But in the end, this idea really displaces we'll see him as as we will be in a glorified estate as Jesus is currently in, in a glorified state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of covered the the majority of this text here, but verses two and three, you said there's a lot of good stuff there. So we want to go back there because we we really dealt with the sin, living in righteousness, being born of God, not practicing sin. Um, That's the meat of what's in this passage that we're basically covering tonight on this program. Um, Abide in Christ. Don't be a child of the devil. I mean, that's another thing that real quick is that, you know, how often do we hear people say, oh, everyone's a child of God? Well, no. If you're abiding in Christ, you're a child of God. You've been born of God, so you're a child of Him. You've been brought into the family. Uh, but if you are not, you're a child of the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. I mean, like, God has maybe has decreed, not maybe, but God has decreed all things. So He decreed that sin would be in this world, but God is not the author of sin. Sin came as a result of the devil's pride against God and disobeying God's wanting to be wanting to be like God. And then he tempts Adam and Eve who are in this state of innocence. They're in the state of they don't know uh, um, sin. They don't know uh, anything other than being in fellowship with God and they fall. Right. So sin comes into the world. Adam being our federal head, we're all born sinners. We're born with this sin nature. Right. So it's not living in this because we're, we're going to sin by our very nature because we're, we're born that way. But then we also choose to act out upon that sin as well. So we're guilty either way. I mean, I, I hear people sometimes say, well, why would we be held responsible for the sin of Adam? Well, again, God is a God of covenant and he work, he's working through uh, Adam being our covenant head. And just as Christ is the covenant head of all those that are abiding in him, right? Um, But it's not as if we would not sin on our own. We choose to. We have that nature, that that desire to do those things, but we we make that choice to go ahead and sin against God, right? So um, that's there. Now let's go back to verses two and three. Uh, Well, actually, well, we can go back to, to one through... We'll go back to to, to ver- chapter or verse one and kind of work through some of that that there as well, and then we'll wrap up the program tonight. We got about ten minutes left in the program anyway. Yeah, I think just kind of unpacking. So we kind of unpacked a little bit of verse two, but just to think, kind of to to dwell on his language. Um, you have again these very words that bring and unite as family. Um, We're called children of God. He calls us, John calls his readers the beloved. Again, emphasizing we're God's children now. 
but kind of in that too is that there's the world doesn't know us and that's because they don't know jesus and to to think about the relationship between us and the world and us and god now we're to live into this world we are to we are called by god to cultivate it for his glory to work the land to bring about his glory and all that we do and even as technology grows we are to use technology for the glory of god not to shine away with it but when we look and think about this is let's just take america and we'll just do it's just easy to pick on the left the liberals politically speaking but even theologically speaking too um with like the universalist but evil doesn't go against each other they don't fight each other it's like i mean jesus makes it out of this when the pharisees calls him um blazebub and he's casting out demons like that just is ridiculous and we see this and i remember this more from my hyper dispensational crazy pre-mill years off 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 in the distance the you never really saw liberals who were against god here in america go against muslims here a religion that is of the antichrist who rejects the god of the bible they never attacked them you them you know the it's not the idea but christians are are wrong and that the fact that muslims murder christians well who cares i think when we we think about that shouldn't it shock us because both of those systems are of this world and being of this world they are opposed to god's people i mean john chapter one jesus is the light he comes into the world and people don't like him because they want to remain in the darkness they don't want the light of god shining upon their sinful heart because they love their sin that's the world the world loves its sin it wants to like a pig just roll around in the muck and the mire they don't care but god has loved us and he shows his love for us and while we were still sinners christ died for us and we can now become god's children and that we now live yes as strangers and soldiers in god's world to do what god has told us to do to command to be fruitful and multiply to work the the land and to be fruit and to be fruitful in that labor and i don't think that's just strictly agriculture i think even in the corridor of time the development of technologies aid in this dominion aspect but just to to stop and to think and then kind of relate it to what john is saying is he just mentioned the antichrist have left they're not part of the the communion the community of people there the antichrist are of the world that's why they left they weren't among them and so i think this pushes us to really consider who are our brothers who are our fellow christians and just to to be people who live knowing that the world will never accept us because they hate the world we see this in the holy roman empire we see this with the reformation you know the diet of worms is um just happened 500 years ago 
in this time frame. Again, they were opposed to the gospel there. But we've been born of God, and he has shown us great love and kindness. I think that's not to be skipped or jumped over. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to try to share the uh, outro, um, but I can't figure this out. It's not coming up, but uh, we will we will figure out how to do that at some point. But anyways, I think we're going to close it here. That's been uh, uh, the program for tonight. Um, a lot there in in First John and in chapter three. There we will continue. Um, maybe next time we will be live. Uh, who knows? Uh, together, who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll be going down to the Kentucky Derby, and so um, you know maybe we'll be doing uh, verses eleven through the end of chapter three in person. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Play that by ear. But pray for us. We're going to be going down to the Derby, going down to Mike's territory there in the Louisville area. So pray for us as we go down there to proclaim the gospel for two days at the Kentucky Derby. Um, don't know what's going on down there in Kentucky right now. I know that uh, I've been told by another individual, my brother who lives down there, that uh, there's still been riot, not riots, but there's still been protests and things going on down there. And so there's a possibility uh, you're on mute, Mike, but there's a possibility that um, uh, that may be something that happens during the uh, couple days of the, the Derby as well. So we'll see how that is. Thank you, Anita. She says she will be praying. Uh, appreciate that. But Mike, yeah, I don't know if you've heard anything in, in your neck of the woods down there. Yeah, there was a protest last night or an unauthorized gathering is how they, they phrased it. Um. You can buy tickets, so there's going to be people there at the Derby. Um, you had to buy them in lots of six at about three hundred a piece, so eighteen hundred dollars. If you wanted to go see the Derby, um, at least that's the last time I've heard. So hopefully there'll be, you know, obviously some good conversations, and maybe not be as busy um, since they are reducing tickets amount. We still might have a mask mandate. I haven't heard anything different. Um, our governor is pretty mad at governor in Ohio, Tennessee, Indiana, which all tend to be more conservative than what my governor is here. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited to see you guys. My wife is like, you need to tell him to come over. So we'll have to work something out. Yeah. And that she wants your wife to come down. Um, uh, well, that, so. that won't be this time um, because of, you know, we've got a group of guys that are driving down. The carpool. Yeah, the carpool. But uh, eventually we're going to get down to Kentucky for sure, and we would like to uh, come hang out. And my wife just told me that you guys have a really nice little garden because she's she's been wanting me to uh -huh. build this. She showed me some, some bit, uh, images of this kind of garden that she wants me to put in our backyard. And it's kind of like a box in kind of thing. And then a fence around it or whatnot. She's like, Mike and his wife, they have a really nice one, Mike and Catherine. And I'm like, well, I'll have to see what he's got there and we'll look at it. But uh, for right now, I think we've got an idea of what we're going to do this year. Um, but in the future, once we get some more, cause we want to fence in more of our backyard. And once we do that, then we'll know for sure where we want to put things permanently. <laughs> but for right now, I'm like, well, we can put it over here in this area for now. And so we're going to kind of do that here next week because I'll have all next week off. I'm going to try to get some things done around the house before we head down to the Derby. Um, I didn't want to like leave my wife with some things that we really need to get done. We need to get that garden, go garden going. Uh, and, uh, you know, we also we're thinking about getting some chickens. I mean, this is some, some news oh. for you guys. We're going to have a coop and everything. And, uh, I'm, I'm going country here, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I... No, not, not for you, huh? Nope. I spent enough time in the country. Yeah. Well, my wife, she is a country girl. She, she grew up in the country uh, around a lot of farms and had animals growing up. We, we just took uh, our little one to um, the Amish country this weekend, and you mentioned pigs, and that was the first thing that came into my mind. You know, they want to go back into the mud. Um, and uh, she got in the little 
area where all these little piglets were running around and she was picking them up. Like I tried to grab pigs twice. I tried to grab them twice, but the noise they make, it really tensed me up and I couldn't get, they like trying to grab one. It, it just really like, I'm not a country guy. And so hopefully she didn't have any videos of, of watching me kind of nervous trying to grab a pig. Cause <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun though. It was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we told you a little bit of stories there. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up and uh, call this one a night. That's been G220 Radio. Uh, bear with us. We're still trying to, to figure out this platform, so it kind of got a little weird start and kind of getting a little weird ending here. Uh, I'm used to being able to uh, kick it and talk with Mike and the other guys whenever the show is over afterwards and kind of doing that here now. So. <laughs> All right, that's been G20 Radio. Hope you enjoyed the program. Leave a message. Let us know where uh, you're from, what you, what you thought of the program. Uh, you can listen or connect, stay connected with us on G220Radio at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. We do have Podbean where our podcast will be put out there. Um, I'm trying to think of some things here, talk with Mike about how we're going to set this up because our shows are live here on Tuesday nights, um, but we might set up a day where actually the podcast is released to make that a little easier for us because now the way we're doing this platform here we don't have the audio that we can pull right away at least that i'm aware of so we um, we'll have to get the audio and then upload it do we okay well me and michael talk about that later but then uh we'll we want to be able to put these programs out for you on audio as well as the video um, but if you watch us on video, you get to see us live and then the audio comes out later. But that's been G220 Radio. God bless and good night.